Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to Octopulse, our Detroit News, Detroit Red Wings podcast. I'm Mark Faulkner, Detroit News Assistant Sports Editor, joined by Ted Colfin, our Red Wings beat reporter. Coming up on the podcast, we'll hear from Jordan for Joan, a Little Caesars girls hockey coach and Windsor Spitfires scout who is on the fast track to joining the inner circles of the hockey operation departments in the NHL. But first, Ted, the Red Wings are just past the 10-game mark, 6-4-1, second place in the Atlantic Division, six points behind the Bruins, who are in here Saturday night for a first-place showdown. The Bruins still haven't lost a regulation game. They beat the Leafs in overtime last night. They're 9-0-1 without Patrice Bergeron without David Krejci and now without Charlie McAvoy, who was suspended four games this week. The Wings lost 2 nothing last night to Florida. They have just one win in their last five games. So, Ted, what do you make of Saturday's game? The Bruins can't seem to lose and the Wings can't seem to win since that 5-1 and one start. Yeah, I think most people are surprised by the Bruins. I mean, they've taken, they've had a, you know, relatively soft schedule, but mm-hmm. give them credit. They've taken advantage of it. I mean, they do what good teams do and they've, they've, they've won the games that they're supposed to do. And now they, you know, they beat a good Toronto team last night. They beat the Wings Saturday. Boy, hey, they keep rolling. I'm frankly somewhat surprised. Uh, I mean, there's mm-hmm. been no let up whatsoever. And they've actually kind of created some breathing room for themselves. I think it's, what, a five-point lead over mm-hmm. some, everybody else in the division? I tell you, the Wings, for as, you know, as good as they've played here, look, they're essentially they're a six-and-five team, and they're just bunched up with everybody else in that division. So it just shows you the, the depth and the quality of that Atlantic division. And you know, it's not going to be an easy month here for the Wings. A lot of tough games. You got Boston. You got the Rangers a couple of times. You got that Sweden trip with Ottawa and Toronto. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a it's going to be a challenge. Another game in Boston this this month. It's going to be a challenging month, but no, I mean, it would be it would behoove them to you know play well tomorrow night. Maybe get a W and straighten this ship up a little bit. I mean, yeah, you're right. Mark, ever since that five and one start, it's been a little bit ragged since then. Now let's hear from Red Wings forward Daniel Sprong. Last week, he talked about the team sticking up for each other, especially in that Ottawa game. One year after the season kind of fell apart in Ottawa. Here's what he had to say. I think you can see the way we're playing. Uh, we're playing as a team. We're sticking up for each other. I think uh, you see that in Ottawa, you know, Kachuk's running around and Ras fights in the third. So uh, I think you can see that already. And uh you know, we just got to keep playing the right way. We're, we're six games in, so uh, it's a good start. It gives us confidence, and, uh, you know, everyone's rolling. Ted Sprong's comment there about Kachuk running around. Last year, they had no response to Kachuk. He challenged the Detroit bench. He had five hits in that first game, eight shots, a goal, plus two. This year, Kachuk had five hits with one assist, but he was minus one. And on that play, Rasmussen stepped in after Kachuk got tied up with Cider in front of the wings bench right after Kachuk ran over Wallman at the Ottawa blue line. So what kind of team are the wings and when do they play their best hockey analytically, Ted, they still block 15 shots per game. Their hits are way down from 22 hits per game to 14, but maybe that's because they have the puck more. They have better players. And when their power play is working, when the jets were in here, Winnipeg's interim coach, Scott O'Neill said that's the best 
power play he's seen throwing the puck around like it's on a string. So how important was that game in Ottawa? And can they sustain that compete level that Derek Lalonde said has been missing to start a few games? I think they've lost quite a few games since that game against <laughs> Ottawa. So I don't think it's, yeah. The power play definitely has cooled off, Mark. I mean, yeah. there's no question about that. The power play has cooled off and that's hurt them here several times in the last couple of weeks. Uh, and actually, from that first, other than the first line, even the first line has cooled off somewhat. I mean, Jabrin, mm-hmm. Cat, and Larkin, and Raymond, they haven't quite gotten the secondary scoring here these last several games. Uh, they didn't. They did Monday in on Long Island. JT Comfer had the goal and assist, but uh, guys like Comfer, Andrew Kopp, Rasmussen, Sprung, David Perron is still trying to find his gear offensively. Uh-huh. They could use some. They could use some offense from some of these people after that first line. I mean, that was supposed to in the first couple of weeks of the season. We saw that those contributions from all four lines and the depth of scoring. Not so much here the last couple of weeks. So hmm. that's something they desperately need. Although the defense has really picked up. I mean, I think they're still in the top two or three as far as defensemen scoring. So that's kind of helped out a lot, obviously. But some of these forwards do need to pick it up here a little bit. Tell you one thing, the goaltending, that's going to mm-hmm. be interesting to watch, Mark. Uh, James Reimer's playing very well. And you and you wonder, going forward here in the near future, does James Reimer take a little more of the playing time away from Billy Huso? That'll be, that'll be, I don't know, it's something to watch because Reimer, again, very solid last night. Gave up the fluky goal, but and that was unfortunate. But mm-hmm. otherwise, he was spectacular, I thought, in the first period. And he's been pretty much so right from the get-go of training camp. So that'll be interesting. And do you bring in Alex Lyon to play a game or two at some point here? It's been a while. I'm sure he'll be going to Grand Rapids here ultimately for a conditioning stint. Mm-hmm. But uh, the goaltending situation is going to be intriguing here also. Coming up uh, next on the podcast, it's time for our interview segment, and our special guest today is Jordan for Joan. Joining us now is Northville's Jordan for Joan, a 29-year-old coach of three girls hockey teams with Little Caesars, award-winning program in Detroit and a Michigan area scout with the Windsor Spitfires of the Ontario Hockey League for three years. Welcome to the podcast, Jordan. You're also one of 80 women in the NHL Coaches Association's Female Coaches Program. That's an initiative for women to work on skills development, leadership strategies, communication, tactics, networking, and career advancement opportunities. The NHLCA program includes meetings a couple of times a month with the BIPOC Coaches Program aimed to specifically support 50 Black, Indigenous, and Coaches of Color. And in addition, You're one of eight people in the Boston Bruins Diversity and Inclusion Scouting Mentorship Program, which mentors and elevates individuals from underrepresented backgrounds. Sounds so busy, so exciting, Jordan. So how do you and your husband, Tom, find time to coach these Little Caesars teams? You're also scouting for the Spits, and you're part of these programs to develop your career. (laughs) We get asked that question all the time. Honestly, (laughs) we get told we're crazy. It's a lot. we love it. That's a, that we make time for it. So mm-hmm. it's it's just about making time for things. If you truly care about 
elevating yourself as, as a person in this hockey industry or in caring about the players, you'll make time for it. There's no amount of time that you have to set aside. It's just, hey, we're going to do a video here. We're going to do have another off-ice workout here. Like, you have to make time for it. You have to have make time for these parents, players, and mm-hmm. the other coaching staff. So if you don't buy in, I mean, it's not the right industry for you at all. Jordan, what's it been like with the Windsor Spitfires, and how did that – get started. I was the sports editor at the Windsor Star for 22 years and the Spitfires won Memorial Cups under Bob Bugner and Warren Reichel and now they have the Savages, John and Steve Savage and Brian Schwab GM, Bill Bowler and coach Jared Smith. They're rebuilding this year, but what's the culture like and why have they been so successful? The culture is amazing. They brought me in my first year. I was only I was sending emails around trying to get my feel out there. I was like, I want to be involved on the boys' side. I grew up playing boys' hockey, boys' mm-hmm. AAA hockey in Boston. Um, so I had coaches like Randy Wood, who played in the NHL for 17 years, and Tom Fitzgerald, same same thing. So grew up in that world and playing the rest of my career, obviously, in women's hockey, mm-hmm. trying to get back into the men's hockey side of things. Like I love being on that side. One, it's kind of, it's a lot less stressful over there. <laughs> the girls are a little bit, a lot to handle sometimes, but um, I like having both sides of it. So the culture at Windsor is fantastic. They took me in right away. Mm-hmm. They've taught me a lot of things. Um, they treat me like one of the guys, which is exactly what I want to do. Um, I don't want to be, oh, you're the female in the room. I can't swear in front of you. Like, that's, I don't care. Maybe I'll swear more than you. So um, normally that's what happens. But no, the way that they treat everyone on their staff and all their players and we all, it's, it's a family over there at Windsor. Like they all try and help each other out. Jordan, what makes a good scout? What have you learned in these three years? You're scouting players for the Ontario Hockey League Spitfires. What are some of the things that stand out to you? Um, definitely scouting is learning every day. Mm-hmm. Like You learn things as a player. And then having that coaching background as well, like I'm learning things as a coach every day too. And talking and networking with other people and being like, hey, what do you see? Like, what what do you like about this player? Like, mm-hmm. I actually tend to ask other scouts and be like, hey, why? Like, why do you like this? And maybe I'm like, oh, wow, I missed that. Or, hey, you know what? Like, I actually saw this and said, like, I might disagree with you. Um, I think it's all about having those tough conversations with people. Mm-hmm. And people respect that. Like, I just try to learn every day. And I want to find out more about what other people see. And am I seeing the same things? Or am I seeing something differently? Or am I from a different angle in a ring? Like, I always sit high up in a corner in a ring, but I never really go down to the glass on purpose. Um, but I heard from another scout in the Boston Bruins that he rotates, like okay. he'll go down mm-hmm. in the glass and then he'll go up top. So you get to see two different angles. And obviously he's trying to see that with goalies too. Like I, <laughs> I must admit, I'm not very good at scouting goalies. I can just hold, <laughs> hold up to that. Never play goalie. Uh, it, it's a different, completely different world. So trying to see and learn from those different people. And also it'll help me out with coaching little seasons as well when we try to look at um, like goalies here. Mm-hmm. So trying to learn every day from other people and especially asking those tough questions and be like, hey, what do you guys do? 
Jordan, I talked to one of your mentors, uh, Rocky Thompson. He's an assistant coach with the Philadelphia Flyers now, a former Spitfires coach who won a Memorial Cup in 2017, and his daughter played at Little Caesars with you and Tom. And he talks about learning your craft from scouting to player development, your love of the game, because as he says it, there's not a lot of money in these jobs. So what has Rocky meant to your hockey career? No, honestly, Rocky called me up and I'll start from the beginning. He called me up and I was like, oh, my God, this is Rocky Thompson. Like, how am I supposed to answer this phone? Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know who he is. And he's like, hey, my daughter's interested in moving to Detroit. This is obviously the COVID year, right after COVID, trying to get a reset button in his career as well. And talking with him and his wife about their struggles and their hardships. And I was like, wow, we're going through the same thing. Like Tom and I, my husband and I. We go through the same thing right now. Like we're we're obviously we're gonna try and start a family. Like how are we supposed to provide for our family? Like how are we supposed to even mm -hmm. we struggled with trying to get health insurance for a while. Um, those hardships, but I think the love of the game kind of goes over all of that. Like it, it's obviously it's I've tried those desk jobs. Uh my husband is obviously, he just passed the bar, so he's finally a lawyer. <laughs> but oh, we he passed through. the bar. Good. Yes, Good he did. Found that out two days ago, which is awesome. Um, so now we're in a way different position um, than we used to be, but it took three and a half years to get there. So it's, it's all about starting and just working your butt off and really trying to network and get to know these people and Talking with Rocky and his wife, Liz, they're such amazing people. And they really let us to like, let us realize, Hey, it, it's going to get better. You just got to keep working at it. Mm -hmm. So honestly, it, having them as mentors in our life it has been absolutely amazing. Jordan, we published the names this week of 10 players on your U19 little Caesars team who have college scholarships to schools like Harvard, Boston college, Colgate, how good are some of these players like Paige Klein, Addison Spitz? And when will Michigan finally get Division I women's hockey program so these players don't have to leave the state all the time? <laughs> we get asked that question a lot. Um, <laughs> honestly, we wish it would happen yesterday um, for the Division One here. Uh, it, it's tough because we really do develop like the top players in the States. There are other programs that do as well, but overall we have kind of been a powerhouse lately. Mm -hmm. Having 10 division one players in one year has been like, it's, it's been awesome. Like, honestly, it's, it, you get choked up about it because you're like, Oh wow, we have these great athletes and they have to go away from home. So like you can't see them any play and develop after they leave here. And honestly, we struggle with that because when these kids go on, some of them don't come back because there's nothing here. Mm -hmm. So if there was like a Division One program here, like maybe, hey, they can come back and coach there and maybe help out with Caesars on the side. Or we like lack in – we lack in trying to find quality coaches, especially in females, back in Michigan. Mm -hmm. Like I am on – like you said before, I'm on three rosters. Like I'm the only female on two of the rosters and there's another one, there's another one on the other two out of four of them. But if I were to leave or if I were to um, step aside or something way down the road, 
I was like, oh no, what am I going to be leaving this with? Like someone's, we got to get more people in here. Mm -hmm. So trying to move those kids on and obviously these kids are very talented. Like most of them, there's like three or four of them who have had over 50 goals in like two or three seasons in a row. These kids are very talented and they definitely put the work in. They do the office. They they do the extra skills. They have multiple skills coaches. They have skating coaches. They they really buy in. Like they do video with us. Um, we just wish that we could give it back and actually be like, hey, you know what? You can play in a Division One program in your own state. Mm-hmm. I mean, trying to get Michigan or Michigan State to kind of do that. Obviously, you think that you're closer than you think right now, but I mean, it should be happening soon. I, you would think that it would be within the next three to five years, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. It's, we're hopeful for it. Um, we just have to keep growing Little Caesars and keep growing our program to a point where they have no other choice but to actually get a Division One team here. Jordan, thanks for your time so far. Just two more questions. We're publishing a story about how women are joining the inner circles of the male-dominated hockey operations department since 2019, 44 women have been hired in hockey operations. And those jobs include like assistant coaches, assistant GMs, player development, scouts, and data analysts, the teams with the most women in hockey operations, Toronto with five, Pittsburgh and Seattle with four, Chicago has four as well. The Rangers in Washington have three. What do you make of the progress of women in these hockey operation jobs and how much further do you see this progress looking in the future? Yeah, I think it's great. Honestly, it, they're mm-hmm. opening the doors. All these females are, are and like high-powered women are opening the doors for everyone else. It's it's been great. And honestly, trying to get trying to be one of those women myself like would be amazing. Um, I think it's definitely in the in the right direction. I don't think they'll get too many of them, but I think the qualified ones who are just as qualified as the men. Mm-hmm. definitely be getting in those jobs for sure like i completely agree with that if you are qualified enough as a female and you've worked your way up um you deserve to be there i think the best way to put it is we really just want a chance we want a chance to be at the nhl level that's exactly what all these females want and but we want to make sure that we're qualified for them as well And finally, Jordan, following up on that comment earlier, you told me that you're right. You said, I don't want to be just given a job. I want to earn a job. You said, I would rather be confident in the position instead of not knowing what I'm doing. So how important is that statement, your last answer, as you go forward chasing your NHL dream? No, it's highly important. I live off of that. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's, I live, eat and breathe that, that statement. I'd never want to get handed a job just because I'm a female. That's just not who I am. That's not what I believe in. I really want to earn it. And I think having that confidence of having that expertise and learning really how to have that confidence in a certain job and bringing that to the highest level will change will change who I am and only improve my confidence in that position as well. If you don't have that confidence going in, you're going to sulk. You're going to... You're going to think that people are are questioning you. Like you have to, you have to bring that confidence to the next level. Otherwise Mm -hmm. people are not going to trust you and they're not going to respect you. So that's, I think having that confidence and 
having that expertise and really being ready for a job is the best way to go. Jordan, thanks once again for your time today, talking to us about your uh, hockey career, the work that you and Tom are doing with girls hockey in the Metro Detroit area of the Windsor Spitfires and letting us know what kind of opportunities are out there for everyone. Good luck the rest of the year and in your hockey career. Thank you so much, Mark, for having me. Our thanks again to Jordan for Joan. Now let's hear from the Red Wings captain, Dylan Larkin. He's dropped to seventh in league scoring, 15 points still in 11 games, five points behind Jack Hughes, but he's still off to a career year playing on that line with Alex DeBrinkett, who is tied for most goals still in the league with nine, tied with Frank Vetrano. Here's what he had to say about his new line mate. You know, we played summer league a couple for a couple of years together and uh, we scored a lot in that league and, and we knew it would transfer into the NHL because why not? Right. But uh, um, no, it's, uh, it's good. You know, it, it honestly, Kat is, uh, uh, his hockey sense is, is, is off the charts and, and everyone knows he can score, but, um, how he finds space and how he finds pockets. It honestly took a little bit to get used to. I haven't played with a, a player who, who is looking in, in spots that, uh, not many can, can find. And, and, uh, you know, we've, I've, I've tried to, uh, really, uh, just keep my eyes open when I have the puck for him, but also when, when he has the puck, I'm trying to, to, to get open as well. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's been, uh, it's been really nice so far. Ted, what do you make of that line? Larkin just talked about the Brinkett's hockey sense being off the charts. Lucas Raymond is stronger on his skates. He's making better plays in his own end and he's getting chances in the offensive zone. And then you just mentioned too, about the Red Wings being among the top two, three teams, in defenseman scoring at 33 points. That story was at DetroitNews.com this week. What do you like about the Wings' top line and the team's offense when all the cylinders are firing? Well, they do pass the puck really well. They all have good instincts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Debrinkat's a heck of a shooter. Um, I like. I really liked Lucas Raymond's game this year. Maybe not. Uh, the statistics aren't necessarily there, but I think... He's done a lot of good. He's gotten. You can tell he's stronger and more confident. He, he got bigger over the summer. I think he's blends in well mm-hmm. with those two guys. But again, they can, like we said here just momentarily ago, they can, uh, it's not a worry yet. But boy, that secondary scoring, as good as it was early on, you do wonder if there's going to be enough of it over 82 games. It's going to be interesting to watch, but no, I like the, I like that top. I know they were putting other people up there in Raymond's spot, like David Perron and whatnot, but mm-hmm. I think they got the, they got a good fit there now with Raymond playing with those two guys. I think he's the best fit of anybody they have. And I would expect that's going to be a pretty productive line the rest of the way. And finally, Ted, you said from the start of training camp, you had a feeling fans were really curious about what this team was all about. So much has happened since our last podcast, the home opener against the Lightning, 19,000 fans. You said it was one of the loudest crowds you've ever heard at Little Caesars since they opened in 2017. There's the old goal horn, the Eminem goal song, Without You, the Cat, the Cat Trick against Calgary. And you did mention the schedule that's coming up, three of the next four at home before that trip to Sweden. So what's it been like with all this buzz around the team after missing the playoffs for seven straight years? 
think that buzz has dimmed a little bit because <laughs> the Detroit Lions, and rightfully so, I suppose. Uh, no, but it's still it's still there. I think people are intrigued, but I think people are getting a little bit more realistic that maybe this team, as ho- as hopeful as they are, maybe they're still not quite a playoff team. That division's pretty tough, and you do wonder if this is still another 500 roster. Mm-hmm. But, uh, no, nah, I mean, uh, it's been a nice atmosphere. I mean, I think it wasn't – well, they didn't have much to cheer for last night. They had against Florida, that's for sure. But I do notice a little bit more interest out there. I think there are, people are excited about having Cat. He's played so well here so thus far. Larkin, like you said, is having a great year. There's a buzz, maybe not quite as much as there was a couple weeks ago, but again, the Detroit Lions are on everybody's mind right now, and probably rightfully so. What a season they're having. But uh, eh, we can turn it around here again with a really solid month coming up, especially with a win Saturday against Boston. Mm -hmm. Ted, thanks again for your time today on episode 95 of our Detroit News, Detroit Red Wings podcast. And you can find all of Ted's stories online at DetroitNews.com, as well as on our Octopulse Facebook page. Thanks again, everyone, for listening, rating, and reviewing the podcast. We appreciate your support. 